Hey lunatics, you're listening to Let the Meat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems, and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. Before I began farming, I was a public school teacher who had grown up in the suburbs of St. Louis. And if you were like me, you had no idea what was real or who to trust when it came to our food. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance you've begun to doubt what huge food corporations are trying to sell you is as healthy as it's cracked up to be. And for good reason. I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out, to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish the people. You see, conventional farms are dying. We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. See you soon. If you didn't know already... The lungs of the world is a media euphemism for the Amazon rainforests, which exist largely in Brazil. We, and by we, I mean the great mass of people who until very recently knew very little about current Amazon events, myself included, began hearing about the lungs of the world just a couple weeks ago. High-profile celebrities like the singer Madonna, actors Jaden Smith and Leonardo DiCaprio, soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo, and French President Emmanuel Macron have filled our Twitter feeds with a singular voice of panic. The lungs of the world are burning, has been the refrain we've heard from the media. Very catchy, indeed. Bandy next has been a qualification to the refrain, which is that the Amazon produces about 20% of the world's oxygen. As the logic goes, and I bet you can see this, if we continue to let the forest burn, we won't have any air left to breathe. As of September 9th, about 103,000 fires have been spotted by satellite burning in the Amazon rainforest. That's a huge number. Since most fires in the Amazon generally happen beneath the canopy and don't reach higher than your knee, it's almost assuredly higher than this in reality. And these sub-canopy fires burn a larger extent of the Amazon than do the deforestation fires that can be seen from the satellite. As alarming as the statistic appears, the amount of fires spotted this year is actually close to the 20-year average. From September of 1998 to 2018, the yearly average was about 104,000 fires. 2019's 103,000 fires. 2019's 103,000 fires is actually only 1.6% below the 20-year average for Brazil. For reference, in 2007, a year when greater deforestation was occurring in the Amazon, there were 180,000 fires recorded by this time. Oofta. But there has been an increase since last year. In 2018, there were only around 70,000 recorded fires by September 9th. The Brazilian Amazon has experienced over 33,000 more fires in 2019 than 2018. That's a full one-third increase. With such mixed statistics, though, why all the brouhaha now? I mean, simply put, the only reason we're hearing about the Amazon fires now rather than back in 2007 is because the media prizes histrionics over a nuanced understanding of complicated ecological issues. Nothing grabs a viewer's attention like an inferno in the trees. 
but a picture also does nothing to inform said viewer about what's actually happening. Even though the Amazon Inferno is objectively less dire than it was in 2007, the climate conversation of 2019 has definitely reached a critical pitch. And apparently that pitch sounds the alarm bell at 103,000 fires. Let's dive into some of the nuance that gets lost on Twitter. So, fact check. The Amazon rainforest actually produces about 6% of the oxygen on the planet. But the reality is that the Amazon also consumes 6% of the world's oxygen. Plants don't necessarily breathe, but they do respire. And plant respiration happens when plants take in oxygen and combine it with glucose to consume vital nutrients from the soil. Carbon dioxide is actually a byproduct of this. This happens all day and night. But what about photosynthesis, Austin? Yes, we're getting there. During the day, photosynthesis produces more oxygen than respiration consumes. Photosynthesis uses light as a catalyst to split molecules of carbon dioxide apart, using the split carbon to build above and below ground biomass, and then releasing the excess oxygen back into the atmosphere. So, photosynthesis during the day and respiration both day and night. One produces and the other consumes oxygen. It's a net wash. This is why the lungs of the world metaphor just doesn't hold water. The dominant media narrative of the burning lungs of the world also refocuses our attention onto the wrong things, namely our ability to breathe oxygen. They should be more concerned with the threat to terrestrial biodiversity and the potential release of billions of tons of carbon currently trapped in trees back into the atmosphere. This disparity also reveals the difficulty of talking about climate change in a reasoned way that it deserves. People are generally unconcerned about climate change insofar as it doesn't threaten their daily life. Not being able to breathe gets our precious attention, and so the baseless media fear-mongering begins. But that's not what we should be concerned about. We shouldn't be concerned about our atmospheric oxygen level decreasing. And I know I sound like a broken record now, we need to be worried about the atmospheric carbon dioxide levels increasing. Our biggest concern should be the burning trees and not our lungs. Unlike oxygen, which trees produce and consume in equal amounts, the way trees sequester carbon dioxide is that about half gets stored in long-term biomass, so think trunks, branches, roots, and short-term biomass, so think leaves and needles. The other half just gets respired back into the atmosphere. So every year a tree is alive, and this is especially true in young growth forests, about half the carbon dioxide gets locked away in the trunk. The carbon dioxide doesn't go away forever. It can be unleashed by a single spark. Up to two-thirds of the 103,000 fires of 2019 are occurring on private lands. These are called dry scrub fires and happen when private citizens clear land for cattle or crops. But up to one-third are also occurring on environmentally protected lands. Rather than merely thinning out the canopy and opening up a grazing area for cattle, ranchers use something called slash-and-burn techniques. They basically cut down some trees and set fire to the rest. It's very cheap, and it works very well at clearing land. But it releases the carbon in a day what took nature hundreds or even thousands of years to sequester in the trunks of old-growth rainforest. You see, there's no magic in nature. Something always goes somewhere else. Just because trees are carbon sinks doesn't mean the carbon dioxide they suck out of the air just goes poof. After all, a sink's drain goes somewhere too. Since the land is being cleared for cattle, is it fair to say that beef cattle are making the Amazon burn? No. Beef cattle aren't making anything burn. People are. Furthermore, correctly managed in a savanna environment, beef cattle can help sequester carbon directly into the soil rather than into the trunks of trees. 
but that's not what the Brazilian farmers are doing. They're clearing the forest to take advantage of the thick grasslands that spring up following a slash and burn session. These grasslands are continuously grazed and quickly degrade, and the ranchers aren't making a killing either. A farm of 75 acres might earn 8500 a year. Economic deprivation is definitely pushing them in that direction. So a weak economy in Brazil encourages farmers to adopt the tried-and-true method of deforestation to clear land for cattle. It's cheap, and you get the added benefit of living out in the country far away from bad neighbors. But our earth is still suffering. Here's how we in Missouri use beef cattle to heal the land. As a regenerative farmer, my number one priority is to heal the land. Instead of my first waking thought being about what I have to kill that day, be it debt, weeds, or my children's love for the farm, I get to wonder what I'll get to breathe life into that day. We have many mature stands of trees on our farm, and we value the many benefits forests have on our ecosystems. They provide shade for our domesticated animals, habitat for wild animals, increased soil retention, a carbon sink for greenhouse gas, and, honestly, they just look pretty. As a byproduct of high-density rotational grazing, we are actively sequestering carbon from the atmosphere and putting it into the ground. Whenever our cows come by and bite into a juicy sword of grass, an equivalent number of roots get shorn from the plant as blades get eaten. These roots turn into stable organic matter. Carbon in the soil is even more stable than carbon in trees because it isn't susceptible to fire or disease. And as long as an unknown farm manager in the far future doesn't make the foolhardy decision to convert our farm into row crops, all our fences would make that a pain, that carbon will never leave. Lunatics, listen to me when I say that eating meat does not mean you are condemning the Amazon rainforest to burn. Now, if you're buying meat from the grocery store, it just might. The USDA removed obligatory country of origin labeling laws on imported food in 2015. So meat coming from slash and burn cattle pastures in Brazil can still be labeled as a product of the USA if it's shipped here, broken down, and packaged. If you buy pasture-raised beef from an ethical farmer near you, you can rest assured that you're doing your part to sequester carbon from the atmosphere. Your actions are not making anything burn. Now, I'll say something surprising. I don't think the answer to stopping the deforestation of the Amazon is to eat more meat. Actually, I think it would be better if the human race ate less meat. You can quote me on that. I think it would be better if we ate less meat as the human species. Let me qualify that. If you cannot support a herd of cows on what grass grows from your farm, you have one of two problems. Either you're overstocked, or you have too many cows, or you're out of sync with your ecological resources. It might be a combination of both. Feeding grain to cows allows us to ignore what nature is trying to tell us, which is that we shouldn't have cows, or at least that many cows, in that place. If all the farms in the world faced a sudden death match of pasture-based versus wilderness abandonment, many farms would close their doors. Or at least they would host a smaller number of cows for only a portion of the year. Maybe they would become a conglomerate of rented farms. Whatever the case, worldwide, less meat would be produced. But the meat that people would buy would actually reflect the true price it took to produce the meat. No governmental subsidies involved. No commodity corn prices tucked into the beef prices. All of a sudden, the 30% of agricultural land worldwide that gets used for feeding animals will be used to feed humans. Imagine that. So, lunatics. 
find a pasture-based cattle farmer near you. Ask them what they're doing to regenerate their land. Ask them about the changes they've seen a correctly managed herd of animals make to a degraded farm. Please, please, please support them directly. Thanks for listening. Lunatics of the greater podcast world unite. It's official. The Patreon page for this podcast is up and running. Check for a link in the episode description. Right now, the show is still teeny tiny. Just me in a dark basement in the wee hours of the morning. I need your financial support to keep producing this. If this show means anything to you, if you find some value in it, please consider donating. Maybe you've been enjoying this show since the beginning when I personally told you about it. Maybe you just randomly tripped across the internet and fell face first into it. Maybe you were just spotted by your mom at McDonald's where she ripped the burger out of your mouth, handcuffed you, put you in the backseat of the minivan, and drove at perilously high speeds down the highway, all while blasting this podcast so loud you couldn't tell if I was talking or a banshee was screaming. However you came to find this podcast, your support, any support, would be greatly appreciated. If you have any questions or thoughts about this episode, or want to sponsor a future one, follow me on Twitter at MissouriAustin or shoot me an email to austin at letthemeetgrass.org. I might even include your question, along with my answer, at the end of my next episode. If you live in the Missouri area and want to take the next step in radically protecting the health of you and your family, you can buy some of our pasture-raised food at my friend David's website, fedfromthefarm.com. That's F-E-D fedfromthefarm.com and use the offer code PDCST, like podcast without the vowels, for $10 off your next order. I am shamelessly promoting this, but since I manage this farm and personally take care of the animals, this is the only operation I can wholeheartedly endorse. If you really enjoyed this podcast, subscribe or download it on whatever podcast directory you use. If you're using iTunes and are feeling mighty generous with the next five minutes of your life, please rate it and leave a review. The more reviews I get, the better my chances of being featured in a spotlight. And as self-serving as that sounds, the more attention this podcast gets means that I get to improve the production quality for you. Production assistance was provided by the kissable Kelly Williams. That's my wife. Music was performed by the bodacious Brandon Nelson. If you like Scandinavian folk music, you can find his album Old Yarns by Eloin, that's E-L-O-I-G-N, at Bandcamp. Cover art was drawn by the radical Rebecca Rabin. Fact-checking was done by the daring David Boatwright, and sound engineering was done by the jubilant Jeffrey Hook. If you want any of these marvelous people to help you with your projects, just let me know. That's all I have for now. Stay with me, won't you?